Section 14 of The Diary of a Country Parson by James Woodford. Read by John Greenman. With help from Katie Greenman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. 1772, February 29th. This morning after breakfast I went down to Henbridge when I saw and spent the morning with Mrs. Grant and her two daughters, Miss Jenny Wasson and Miss Nancy Wasson. She and Brother John had made up their quarrel. They all seemed to be very uneasy, particularly Mrs. Grant, who said that my brother seemed too gay to be able to make a good husband to her daughter, kept too much company for his circumstances, etc., etc. I told her that he had some failings, as other young men, but I thought his good ones overbalanced them, as I never saw anything tending to any very bad. I stayed at Henbridge till after one, and then returned and dined, supped and slept again at Parsonage. Brother John went home well pleased at my going down. On March 7th he sends Mr. Ford, the Bath statuary, the inscription for his father's monument. The latter will cost fourteen pounds fourteen shillings. The diarist does not tell us the inscription on this monument, but Phelps, note Phelps' History of Somersetshire, Volume 1, page 375, 1836, who succeeded Collinson as the historian of Somerset, gives it in full. Phelps says, Against the north wall of the chancel, Ansford Church, is a neat monument of white marble having inscribed on it, H.S.A. Samuel Woodford A.M. Ecclesia de Castle Carey Vicarius, huius item parochie annos magis quintaginta rector in defessus, et honoratissimo comitee de Tankerville a sacris domesticus. Vir erat antiquis moribus virtute fide, pauperibus erogator largus, pater prudens ac providus, Amicus certus cordatus fidus. Eodem tumulo quiescunt cineres uxoris amate eque ac amantissime gene Woodford, que per quadraginta fere annos in domesticis vite muneribus obeundis plurimis antecellere nulli forsan secunda videbatur. Amabiles in vita nec in morte divisis sunt. Illa Prius, februari octavo, millesimo septingentesimo sexagesimo sexto, etatis anno sexagesimo, ille secutus, mai decimo sexto, millesimo septingentesimo septuagesimo primo, etatis anno septuagesimo sexto, valete suaves anime, sed non eternum. Fili merentes posuerunt. On March 31st he enters into an agreement with Mr. Wickham to serve the curacy of Castle Carey for thirty pounds per annum, in addition to surplus fees. The tithes of Carey are to be farmed by the Burgess, who will pay Mr. Wickham a hundred and thirty pounds per annum for three years, and afterwards a hundred and forty pounds for the remainder of his period as vicar. April 21st. Whilst we were at dinner, they, Parson and Mrs. Wickham, came to us to the parsonage, and caught my sister Jane at table with her hair up in papers, 
as she is going this evening to Shepton Assembly, but they excused it very kindly. May 1st. In the evening Mr. Creed, myself, and the counselor, Melior, walked down into Cary and saw the fair, it being Cary Fair Day to-day. I saw Miss Hannah Pugh in the fair, and I gave her some sugar-plums, half a pound of them, and they cost me one shilling fourpence. Brother John Supton spent the evening at Parsonage, was very much in liquor, and behaved like a madman. N.B. He has received a letter from Nancy Wasson, which I saw, and I think she has used Jack very ill. She declares of off entirely, and will answer no more letters of his. It is, I believe, her mother's and sister's doing all this. June 1st. Brother John set forth this morning for Bath to a cock-match. June 6th. Brother John returned this evening and supped, etc., at Parsonage. He says that he has won fifty pounds at Bath. June 7th. Mr. Creed called upon me in the evening, and we took a walk, after I had buried a child of Giles Francis's by name of J. Francis, aged five years. The child died at Bath owing to a kick in the groin by another lad. Giles works at Bath, and he and his son brought the child in a coffin upon their heads from Bath. They set out from Bath last night at twelve. On June 18th he goes to Wells with Mr. Wickham, sees the bishop, who promises his support as to the diarist continuing in the Ansford curacy, and has tea with the dean, Lord Francis Seymour, his wife, son, and daughters. Lord Francis and lady and the whole family behaved exceeding complacent and civil to me. His lordship told me that I had now found the way to the deanery. He would be glad to see me at all times and often. It is indeed as good a family as ever I was in. The soldiers in the town were exercising in the sea-yard whilst we were drinking tea. It was really very pretty. I don't know when I ever spent such an afternoon or day. Again on July 31st he goes to Wells and visits the bishop and dean, who are very cordial to him. It has been arranged that he is to remain curate at Ansford. The dean asked me to dine with him to-morrow upon a haunch of venison, but I told his lordship that I was afraid I could not. On August 31st he sets out for Winton with his boy for his poser's duties there with Bathurst. He returns on September 5th, and on October 1st he goes to Oxford to vote for a new chancellor, the candidates being Lord North, then Prime Minister, and the Earl of Radnor. The diarist intended to vote for Lord Radnor, but as they could not muster more than seventy-three votes, they abandoned his candidature, and Lord North was unanimously elected on October 3rd. He reaches Ansford again on October 6th. October 31st. Very much out of order this morning, being terribly fluttered, owing, I believe, to the drinking of green tea in the morning. I design to leave it off and to-morrow take to sage-tea. November 26th. Mr. William Strangeways and Mr. Edmund Gapper, both of Charlton and acquaintance of Brother John's, and James and Richard Clark spent the afternoon, supped, etc., at Parsonage. Edmund Gapper was exceeding drunk, indeed. He slept at my house, and Mr. Strangeways at my brother John's. I was kept up till after two in the morning and could not help it, Richard Clark was quite merry also. 
End of section 14, 1772.